As we've already said, welcome to Bayou City in the first Sunday of 2018. If you wouldn't mind pulling out your copy of the scripture and your listening guide and a pen or pencil, we'd love for you to follow along this morning, write some things down so you're more likely to remember them. The last day of school before Christmas break, I was feeling bad for my middle school son, Jackson, because his preschool sister, Willa, didn't have any school that day. His elementary sister, Annabeth, just had a party in the morning and then got the rest of the day off, which should hardly count as a day of school, but does. Thank you, God. But he was going to have to go the whole day, and I was feeling bad for him. If you remember at that time, the new Star Wars movie had come out. That was something that he and I liked to do together. We hadn't seen it yet, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the world's best dad. I'm going to let him go to school in the morning, and then I'm going to go and surprise him, take him out of school taking to see this movie. I was real excited about it. I was going to keep it a secret from him, so he would be surprised. I was going to keep it a secret from his mom, because I wasn't totally sure how she was going to react to this brilliant scheme that I had. Woke up the next morning. He's getting ready upstairs, and I'm I'm excited. I'm just, just excited to have this experience, excited about how awesome he's going to think that I am, and I just couldn't wait to surprise him. So I went upstairs and I said, hey, buddy, uh, can you keep a secret? What do you think? Uh, Plan A, you go to school all day today and then you come home or you go to school and I secretly pick you up and we go and see Star Wars. Well, he didn't have to pray about it very long before he chose Plan B. And I picked him up and we had an incredible time. You've experienced this before, uh, just like me. When you have good news, it's hard to keep it a secret, isn't it? If your parents in here, you remember that first time that you got pregnant, you probably had a plan on paper, we're going to wait and we're going to tell our mom and dad at this time and then we're going to share you know, with our brothers and sisters at this time and then we're going to let our friends know and this is when we're going to tell the world on social media. And most of us can't wait to any of those dates before we start blasting out texts because it's excited. I mean, can you imagine somebody who got engaged and then just didn't tell anybody? Would you have any hope for that marriage? No, you can't keep good news a secret. What's interesting is that the scripture calls the life, message, death, resurrection, ascension, and promised return of Jesus the gospel, which literally means good news. And so what I want to say on the first day of 2018, if we believe that this is true, the gospel is true, then we have to tell everybody. If we believe that Jesus really is the way that our sins can be forgiven and we can be clean, we we have to tell people. If we believe that our purpose can only be known when we are connected to Jesus, then we have to tell people. If we believe that he is the one who best reconciles and restores relationships in this world, that eternal life is available, we have to tell people. So the question is, how do I talk about God then in 2018? Amanda and I were at Reliant Stadium not too long ago watching a game. And as we were exiting, getting ready to cross the street there back to our car, there was somebody with a bullhorn um, preaching the gospel. But his gospel sounded a lot like you are a terrible person and God can't wait to tell you that in person. On our way to Missouri, where I'm from, we drive it multiple times a year. There's a 20-mile stretch, and in that 20-mile stretch, there's about 10 billboards 
that each tell a story, kind of building on, starts with number one, ends with number ten. And the summary of that story is that you are an awful person, and God can't wait to tell you that in person. So when we're thinking about talking about God in 2018, is that what we mean? Do we mean bullhorns and billboards or something else? I believe that the very first Christians forming the very first church lay for us the best pattern, even in our day, to how to talk about God. So if you wouldn't mind opening up your copy of Scripture or pulling out your phone and following along to Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. It's a, a lot to read, so we won't read it all this morning, but I do want to make sure that we're understanding together Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, and for 40 days he appeared to people, specifically his disciples and followers. And in that 40 days he gave them a mission. This is really good news. What I have done is really good news. I have offered my life down on the cross as a substitute for humanity, and now I'm saving the world. I've been resurrected. This is how you come into God's kingdom through me. And so he tells his disciples, you got to tell everybody. But he says, before you do that, I want you to wait. Don't just rush out because you're going to need help. I'm going to the Father. I'm ascending, but I'm going to send you help, the helper, the Spirit of God. And so the disciples do. They, they watch Jesus ascend, and then they just gather and pray and and wait. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the story of how God sent that helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, landing on these original disciples and now empowering them for this massive mission that Jesus had placed in their hands. So now we're in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray together with other Jesus followers. On the way in, they pass through a gate. They see a man who every day is at this gate begging for money because he was born, as the scripture says, lame. He's never been able to walk. And so he makes eye contact with Peter and John. They make eye contact back. But instead of giving him money, Peter says, I'm not going to give you any silver or gold, but I'm going to give you what I have. I want you to stand up in the name of Jesus. You're going to be able to walk. And Peter lifts him up and he is healed. This man who's never been able to walk is now able to walk and more than walk, run around, dance, celebrate. He freaks out. And because he's freaking out with happiness, people start gathering around. They're going, what's going on? We recognize this guy. This guy is there every day when we come to the temple. Every time he's there begging for money. I've given him money. He's never been able to walk. Now he can walk. What's going on? Peter uses that opportunity to talk about Jesus, people are starting to believe, well, overhearing the message are religious leaders, the people in charge of the temple, essentially, and they don't like the message that's being preached by Peter and John, so they arrest Peter and John. They don't really have any crime to accuse them of, and so they just threaten them. They use their power and influence to try to bully them into being quiet, and Peter and John say, you can do what you do, but we can't be quiet. And then from that point on, They just continue doing what we see in Acts chapter 3 and 4, which is talking about Jesus, sometimes suffering, but always talking about Jesus. And they lay for us a pattern and blueprint for how we're going to talk about God in 2018. So if you pull out your listing guide, here's where I want to start. First, we're going to start by talking about God authentically. It says in chapter 4, verse 13, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So this council, they're interrogating these disciples, and what they recognize is that these men have spent time with Jesus. 
we are most likely to pass on what we spend the most time with. So it's, we're in the middle of hunting season. So if you spend a lot of time hunting, you are more likely to pass down hunting to your kids than somebody who doesn't hunt. If you are a fan of a certain college or, or a NFL team or NBA team and you spend a lot of time watching those games, you spend a lot of time going to those games on the message board, knowing about all the players, you are more likely to pass on that fandom to your kids than somebody who just is a casual fan. We all uh, bemoan the fact that our kids need smartphones much earlier than we did. I mean, we didn't even have smartphones until like four years ago. I mean, some of us are just now getting on the train. I think, I don't know why my kids think they need cell phones. You know, they go to kindergarten, they think they need an iPhone. I didn't even have a cell phone in high school. We wonder why and we lament the fact that our kids need these devices. And yet, when they look at us, that's what we're spending most of our time doing. So it is a wonder that we're passing that on to them so effectively, efficiently, and so early. Because we pass on the thing that we spend the most time with. When these counselors were looking at Peter and John, they could tell they had spent time with Jesus. And we want that said about us. That's why in 2018, we want to be sure that when we're talking about God, we don't substitute church for Jesus. Because it's easy to do. Church is great, mostly. And it's easier to describe. I come to church. This is what we do. This is what it's like. This is the thing that I'm a part of. But we gather together as a church, not to be with church, but as a way to be with Jesus. We study the scripture not just to learn more, but to be with Jesus as we're learning more. We pray not just to get the things that we want, but to be with Jesus So we need to be careful that people don't say they recognize them as having been with church. That's not as effective. And it says that they recognize that they were ordinary men, not especially trained in the scripture. I wonder if Peter and John felt pressure to pretend. Because this council that they're standing in front of, this was the elite of the elite. These were wealthy men. These were national leaders. These were the most powerful people in the entire nation. National leaders. They were influential and they were educated. You compare that to Peter and John who are from the northern half of Israel. Most likely all of these counselors are from the southern half of Israel. That's where Jerusalem is. That's where the good families were. Up in the northern half of Israel, that's where the regular folk were. That's where the common people were. They spoke with funny accents, and the people from the south looked up at the people of the north and thought that they were fine, but they were just less than the people in the south. So I wonder if Peter, knowing all of that, knowing that he had a funny accent compared to these guys, he wasn't posh in any way, I I wonder if he, he tried to talk more like them. I wonder if he tried to use words that he wouldn't normally use in order to pretend to be a little bit more than he normally would be. If he felt that pressure, we can't tell because they recognized that they were just ordinary and they had no special training. I don't know about you, but when I talk about Jesus to people, I feel pressure to pretend to be more than I am. I I feel pressure to pretend to be perfect. Even though I know I'm not perfect, I feel like that's what that person wants out of me. And the reason I can speak to them about Jesus is because my life backs that up. But there are all kinds of things about me that don't 
look like Jesus. They, they don't look like something that somebody who believes in Jesus should do. And so I feel like, well, if they knew that about me, then, then maybe they wouldn't listen to this message that I'm, that I'm trying to share with them. But more important than appearing perfect is appearing honest. The truth is, I don't think people out in the world are looking for us to be perfect, but they are looking for us to be truthful about who we are. Just like Peter resisted probable temptation to pretend, we need to resist temptation to pretend because what we want when we talk about God is to be authentic. That this is real in me and this is really true. Second thing in your listening guide, when we talk about God in 2018, we want to do it confidently. As I mentioned, he was, Peter and John were standing before this council, wealthy, influential, powerful people with the right heritage, the right education from the right school, the right family. I was talking to somebody this week about these kinds of things, about God and church and just different stuff. And uh, this guy was uh, from a very... uh, sophisticated city in America. I mean, Houston is the best, but I wouldn't call us sophisticated, you know. And, uh, but he was from a sophisticated place, and he lived in a very elite part of that city. He was uh, very, very tall and skinny and fit and had a nice, thick head of hair. And I just felt like the whole time that he was talking to me, he was just staring at my bald head because he was towering over me. And he's telling me about how great his job is and how important it is and how he flies all over the world to to do it. And and we're talking about God and church and just all of it. We're talking about it. And I just felt dumb. Um, He wasn't making me feel dumb. He wasn't doing anything wrong. I, I just felt dumb. And if you've tried to talk to people about Jesus, I'm sure you've felt dumb too. Even if you are normally smart, There's something about talking about spiritual beliefs with people that make us feel dumb. And Peter and John, their conversation, their interrogation started with a theology debate, which is probably the most terrifying thing to most of us. It says in chapter 4, verse 2, These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. Now, there was a debate nationally among first century Jewish people about the resurrection of the dead. You had this one group of people that believed that the fullness of God's kingdom, that everybody who had ever died would come out of their graves and be resurrected. And you had this other group of people who said that's not going to happen. And now Peter and John appear to be weighing in on that debate and saying, yeah, this is going to happen, but specifically it's going to happen by the power and name of Jesus. And so their interrogation starts with a theology debate. And yet Peter doesn't waver. In any, any way. I mean, look at how he responds to the crowd that's gathered around after this man is healed. It says in verse 12 of chapter 3, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. 
You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Peter just confidently says, here's the truth. He doesn't waver. Even is a little confrontational by saying, you did this to Jesus. Where did that confidence come from? I think it came from a couple of places. First, it came from the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. Again, that's the message of Acts chapter 2, is that Jesus had sent a helper to help them with this mission that he had given them. I think his confidence also came from the fact that he had experience, personal experience with Jesus. That's how he finishes verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. John, who's standing here, saw Jesus die. He was at the cross that day. Peter and John saw personally Jesus resurrected. So it didn't matter how elite, how influential, powerful, wealthy this council was. They couldn't take away Peter and John's personal experience. And that gave Peter confidence. And the third thing that gave him confidence is that Peter knew what he was talking about. He was ordinary. He wasn't especially trained in the scriptures, but he knew what he was talking about. If you go on to read the rest of this sermon, you see how he brilliantly ties the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament teachings and stories and ties them to Jesus. He was ordinary, but he was smart. And I think that's where some of us need to grow in 2018. It's to be able to say with confidence, this is what I believe about Jesus, and here are the reasons I believe this about Jesus. I think most of us would say I believe, but if given the opportunity to give a reason for why we believe, we might look over to somebody else to speak for us. And if we have to look at somebody to defend our faith, we'll usually look to somebody else to share our faith. But there are going to be these moments where God is going to ask you to do the sharing. And so maybe 2018 is a year of learning for us. It's never too late to learn. It's never too late to study. It's never too late to get some confidence because that's how we need to speak about God this year. Third, we want to speak about God in 2018 supernaturally. Chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when he realized he was the lame beggar who had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This supernatural healing that God performed through Peter and John captured people's attention. And that same supernatural captures power, captures people's attention Today, now you might think, well, weren't the apostles special? 
They had this ability from God to heal people. Weren't they special or uh, is that available for anybody? Could, does God use regular people? I think the answer is yes and yes. I think the apostles were special. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and resurrection. We see them being special in the fact that a few of them were chosen by God to be the inspired writers of the scripture. That's not something you and I can do. We can't go into our office tonight and pull out our computer and type up a new book of scripture. You know, there's Peter, there's James, there's First John, there's Curtis, there's Revelation. I mean, you don't just get to <laughs> slip one in. So yes, they were special. But we also see in the New Testament God doing supernatural acts from people who we would not consider special. We would just consider regular, like you and I. And again, you and I have been eyewitnesses at some point in our life to God's supernatural power at work. And when we talk about God, we want that power present. I always wonder about how Peter knew God was willing to do that. That's a pretty bold thing to say, I'm not going to give you any money. But let's try this. Why don't you stand up? How did he know? Did, did he have some physical sense that gave him awareness? Was it just a, just a spiritual confidence inside that gave him the, the, the ability and the, to take the risk to do it? I'm not sure what the answer is, and I don't think we could ever discern. What I do know is that they had been praying in Acts chapter 2. And then Acts chapter 3 starts by saying they were on their way to pray. If you have just been coming from prayer and you are headed towards prayer, you're going to know when God's supernatural power is around. So when we talk about God this year, we're not going to talk about him apart from praying to him. When we talk about Jesus disconnected from prayer, it's ineffective and it usually hurts people. Usually it just ends up sounding like some religious statement why our team is better than someone else's team. But Peter had been praying. John had been praying. They were on their way to pray. And God supernaturally used them. I read this quote a couple of months ago. I've been thinking about it ever since. You can see it on the screen here. If God answered with a yes to all of my prayers this past week, how many new people would be in his kingdom? If God said, hey, blank check, yes, 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 to every prayer that you've prayed in the last seven days, how many new people would be gathering with us today as citizens of God's kingdom? If I'm just speaking for me, I'd say not very many, couple. Really, before we start talking about God, we need to start praying so that his supernatural power is available to us and with us and around us as we speak about him and for him. And finally, when we talk about God in 2018, we want to do it constantly. Chapter 4, verse 19, the council has conferred and they'll say we can't deny that this man has been healed. We know he's been healed. We can, we can see it. So we're just going to say to Peter and John, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't do any more Jesus type stuff. And this is Peter's and John's response. But Peter and John replied, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And that's the rest of the book of Acts. It's just them 
constantly telling people about Jesus. And we want to do that this year, constantly telling people about Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to do that like Peter and John on our way to someplace else. They were just on their way to the temple and they saw this man and there was an opportunity there and they took it. You and I are going to be on our way somewhere today. We're going to be on our way to eat. We're going to be on our way home. We're going to be on our way to something tonight. This week, you're going to be on your way to work. You're going to be on your way to kids' school. You're going to be on your way to sports. You're going to be on your way somewhere. And as we're on our way this year, we're going to look for opportunities to speak about Jesus. We're also going to constantly be talking about God through appointments that he gives us. Acts chapter 8, a regular guy named Philip, not an apostle, a regular guy named Philip, He's tapped on the shoulder by God, and God says, I want you to go and stand at this intersection. And he gives a specific intersection, and it was way off the beaten track. It would be like God saying to you, I want you to go stand out on a farm road in Tomball somewhere. And you'd be like, well, that's great. I'll do that. But I don't think very many people are going to be passing by. But Philip does it anyway. He goes and stands at this intersection, and pretty soon an Ethiopian man comes along in a chariot, and he just happens to be reading one of the Old Testament scrolls from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip's able to say, do you want me to help you? Because I know the rest of that story. And this Ethiopian man commits his life to Jesus right there in the back of his chariot and then is baptized at the next place they see water. It's an appointment that God arranged. One day when I was in college, I was walking across campus headed to the student union to eat some lunch. As I was walking there, I just had this unspoken sense that God wanted to use me somehow. And, and so I shouldn't go eat lunch, but I should just kind of wait and look. And as I'm looking around, I see another college guy sitting on this bench and just like a magnet. My heart was like, that's the, the person. And, and, and so it was a pretty big bench, so I didn't have any problem just going to sit down. You know, if it had been a small bench, that would have been weird, like all this available seating here. And I'm just going to cozy right up next to you. It's not the, probably the best way to represent Jesus on a college campus. And it was a big, huge bench. And so I sat down at one end and he sat down at the other end and I started pulling stuff out of my backpack. I didn't know what I was looking for, but just felt like the right thing to do is he's sitting there eating his lunch. And we start casually talking and pretty soon we start talking about things of faith and we get to God and we get to Jesus. And it turns out that this guy had been looking for God for quite a long time. He had gone to some of the religious campus clubs Uh, there at the university and really had not connected and not found what he was looking for and had just been recently, just recently been laying in bed saying, God, like if you're speaking to me, then send somebody, send something that I'll know. And there I was to help connect the dots for him. This is what you've been looking for and this is what God has been doing. The whole time you've been looking for him, he's been looking for you. And right there on a bench in the middle of my university, this guy prayed to give his life to Jesus because God had been working, been working for a long time. But there was an appointment to help pull him across the line into God's kingdom. And God is at work around you. He's at work in your neighbors. He's at work in your friends. He's at work in your coworkers. He's at work among strangers. And he may have a scheduled appointment for you and that person so that you'll be the one to just say, hey, just follow me one more step, one more step into the kingdom of Jesus. 
And we're gonna talk about God constantly in our relationships. We see that in the scripture. In Acts chapter 10, Peter shares the gospel, the good news about Jesus to a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman manager. And it says that when Cornelius believed, his whole house, which was his family, but also everybody who worked under him in his house, they gave their lives to Jesus too. The same thing happens in Acts chapter 16 when the apostle Paul shares the gospel with a business owner named Lydia. And when she believed, everybody under her influence believed too. And you have influence in people's lives. You've decided to believe. And God may use you, will use you to share the good news with those people in those relationships in 2018. Last night, Amanda was off doing something and, and I needed to run some errands. And so I loaded up all three kids in the car. You know, I wasn't going to let them stop me from living my life. And, uh, and so we got in the car, started running some errands, running some errands around. And, and uh, you know, it's the beginning of the year. So everybody wants to resolve to read more books at the beginning of the year. I resolved to watch more TV by the end of this year, but at the beginning, it's all about books and learning and stuff. And, and so uh, I needed to go to the bookstore to get some books, you know, to live out my New Year's resolution. And I'm a pastor, so you got to go to the Christian bookstore first. That's just in the rule. They give you the manual when you sign up. So we go to the Christian bookstore, and we're there, and I'm looking around. And, I, and I've got the big kids. They're easy. They're they're great. They're awesome. But I got a two-year-old, Willow, with us. And so I put her in the stroller. But she's been pretty well-behaved, you know, so I'm not going to buckle her in because she's cool about it. And we get inside. Terrible mistake. Parenting fail. We get inside. She slides right out of the stroller. And I'm like, why do you slide out of the stroller? It's like a recliner on wheels. That's how fancy this thing is. But she slides on out. And at first, she's just cool about it. She's just hanging right next to me in the aisle. But then she goes around to the next aisle. And I'm can hear her over there, and I'm hoping she's not causing too much struggle, but we're, we're just, just by ourselves, and so it's fine. But then she gets three aisles away, four aisles away, and I'm like, well, I better do something. And so I go over and bring her back, and, and then she wanders off again, and then she runs off, and so I just got to make that decision. Like, I got to put her back in her stroller, and I got to buckle her in, and I know it's going to be a fight, so I go literally to the furthest corner in the Christian bookstore because I know it's going to be ugly, but this is just what we got to do. And so I take her back there, back there where they sell the cups of communion. That's where we were at the Christian bookstore. If you've ever been there. And the tithing envelopes. Back there. Nobody goes on those rows. We get back there and I start buckling her in and it's she's just not having it. Right? There's one person in charge and it's not me. And she starts screaming. Like, just screaming loud. Not like, Dad, I'm so frustrated. I don't understand. But, like, I'm getting ready to embarrass you right now, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> so she wins. We have to go. We got to go. And uh, people are staring at me when we leave because they've heard her. And I just stare right back at them like, are you a parent? Then you get it. If you, if you were a parent, you've forgotten it. It's real. And if you're not a parent yet, it's coming for you. Everybody does this. So don't look at me like that. Yeah. You stare at me, I stare at you longer. But we leave. So she, she wins that battle, but I'm going to win this war because I got books to buy. So we go to Chick-fil-A, and I get her some food. 
hoping it's infused with the spirit of Christian chicken. <laughs> and I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble, not Christian bookstore, and, and I'm going to give her food when we go in. So she'll be happy, locked, deadbolted into her stroller. <laughs> and so that's what happens. We go in. And she was great. Long story short, I got what I needed. And we're walking outside the Barnes & Noble. I just step right outside. If you've been to Barnes & Noble, you just step right outside. And there's a woman there. And she says, can I have $9, which was a very specific amount of money to ask for. And, you know, honestly, she looked like somebody who would be asking you for money outside the Barnes and Noble. And I have $9 and I've been reading this story all week. So I'm going to give her $9, but there might be something more that God wants to do. So I say, why do you need $9? She said, well, I need to get this hotel room tonight and I need $9 more to get it. Okay. Why do you need a hotel room just for one night? And she launches into her story about why that's true. And I say, okay, I'm going to give you the $9. It's not a problem. I'm happy to give it to you. But we're going to have to pray because your problem is not a hotel room. Because that's going to help you tonight. But what are you going to do tomorrow night? What are you going to do the night after that? The night after that? The night after that? you got bigger problems than needing $9 to finish this hotel room. So we're going to have to pray because I can't help you do that. Honestly, I don't think you can help you do that. So we're going to have to ask God to do that for you. We take some time to finish our conversation. We get in the car with our kids. We pray for Catherine, who woke up this morning, hopefully, in a hotel. But is going to have to solve her problem again today. But we're just asking God to do it. And here's... Here's what I've been thinking about the last 12 hours is that Catherine needed and needs more than $9. She needs better news than $9. She needs the good news, the gospel, which changes everything for all of us. You got a Catherine in your life, and that Catherine is your friend. Catherine is a stranger. You're going to meet Catherine's on your way. You're going to be having appointments with Catherine's. And listen, if this is true, we got to tell everybody. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray in your name that you would help us. Uh, Most of us want to be people that you can use And most of us find it more difficult than it probably should be. So help us. Help us be bold. Help us be smart. Help us to remember. Help us to see. Just help us. Because we believe and we know this is true. And we want to share. It's your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you're a guest with us this morning glad that you're here starting off the new year we finish all of our gatherings at Bayou City by praying together I'm going to ask our prayer folks to come forward around the stage and around the sides we're going to pray together I want to invite you to pray Uh, I especially want to invite you to pray today I mean we've been talking about sharing the good news with other people maybe today you're just like I need to receive the good news I want to believe in Jesus myself can't tell people to believe in something that I've not yet believed in and so if you have questions about that or you want to declare yourself as a follower of Jesus today, 
as others are coming forward to pray, you come forward and just say that. I want to follow Jesus today. These guys will know exactly what to say because they've been in your shoes. This time is for anybody who may be sick today or you've got something heavy on your heart. Of course, come and pray. But I want to invite you to come and pray about some specific things. First, if you would say, uh, I want more of God's supernatural power in my life. That's really what I want. I don't want to just educate people about Jesus. I want his power with me as I do that. So God, would you give me more of that power? Help me experience more of that power in my life. Come and pray. If you would say, I want more confidence. And I want to start 2018 by learning more about this thing that I believe in. Come and pray. Maybe you're not praying for yourself today, but there's somebody on your heart. This person needs to hear good news. You come and pray for them. Maybe God will use you. Maybe he will use somebody else, but he will work in their life. Some of us have New Year's resolutions, and the best thing that we can do is to not resolve in ourselves, but it's to ask God, God, would you help me do probably what I can't do for myself? So Jesus, we ask these requests in your name. We know it's the same name that healed that man outside that gate in Jerusalem. Same name. Same heart, same will, same willingness. So do for us what you did for him. We'll praise you like he praised you that day. In Jesus' name, amen.